Welcome to another edition of the A-List Podcast. I'm your host, Aishra Blakely, with Kwani A. Lunas. Aisha stands for always on the move. Kwani Lunas. Clearly, we, we've got the we've got the car, the drive-by. Drive from the car. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Nothing will stop the pod, all right? It will not stop the pod. <laughs> the pod will go on and on and on, regardless of the locale. Mm-hmm. Uh before we get started, again, another shout out to our sponsor, BetUS.com. Uh, we'll talk a bit more about them later on. But the A-List podcast, subscribe, available on all your podcasting apps. That's what we are, and that's what we do. Now, we finally have games, or I should say eight, no, games, because we can talk about the game they just played, the Boston Celtics. We can talk about the game that they're going to play uh, yes. soon down the road. Now, looking back, let's start from the beginning, which was at New York. Uh, amazing game. I mean, one of the best games we're going to no, see in a long time. No. Yes. And here's the thing. And, and, and I wrote about this for FullCourtPress.Bulletin.com about the atmosphere in Madison Square Garden. Because the game itself was awesome. But the mm-hmm. atmosphere was so pre-pandemic mm-hmm. where you've got – you know, I mean, there were a couple of folks who were staggering out of the garden who had a little bit too much to drink. You got dirty rappers all over the floor. You got fans screaming. You 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 got just afterwards. You're you're ringing in your ears because people were screaming so long and for and so loud. It was as if there never was a stoppage of play. Um, it really felt like a real NBA game. And then the game itself was amazing. Uh, Jalen Brown. Oof. Talk about him. <laughs> My goodness. I mean, straight out of protocol, JB, 46 points in 46 minutes. With How surprised? I mean, think, I mean, I mean, were you as just shocked and, and, and amazed as we were at the way he played? I was more shocked because he had just came off of the COVID protocol and specifically because he mentioned how he had been having a little bit of trouble breathing. And that's the thing where for basketball, for you to have the endurance to play, not a full game, but a game with two overtimes, that's what really shocked me. And obviously to see the way he was on fire on the floor to drop 46, to break his name was mentioned with Bob Cousy and Paul Pierce for breaking a overall record for the Celtics all-time scoring record for most points in a season opener. And I'm just like, when your name is put in sentence with legends, you already know you're doing something well. And he just went out of the park. <laughs> I'm thinking, I mean, cause I, cause I was in New York at the game and, and what really jumped out to me about Jalen, not only was he scoring, but it was the way that he was scoring. I mean, Jalen was finishing at the rim, knocking down three balls, eight of them last I checked. And one of them, he even hit the he hit the Lillard logo three ball, the one that put, brought them just a little bit closer to sending that thing into the first overtime. And Jalen again, every year he comes back with some part of his game that we did not anticipate would be as exceptional or impactful as it was. I thought his range uh, with that logo three ball was something that I don't think Jalen had. I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen him take a deep deep three because even when he's kind of you know just bringing a ball up and, and folks give him space. He's not. Ta- he doesn't normally strike me as a deep three ball taker, but he was. He knocked the one down that mattered most, and the handle. 
the handle was tight. I mean, splitting defenders, getting to his spots. Jalen Brown, on a night when there were so many other guys who had so much more, I would say, added incentive to go out there and put up big numbers. He was the best player on the floor. And no disrespect to Julius Randle, because Julius Randle, as as someone who back in the day liked to play bully ball, I respect what Julius Randle was doing. That was bully ball one-on-one. Any kids out there, if you want to know what this bully ball at the highest level looked like, take a look at at that first game between the Celtics and watch Julius Randle, because that's all he did. Uh, I don't want to talk about Grant Williams, because anything I would say about Grant Williams at this point in time would not be nice. Um, but Julius Randle put him in the blender multiple, multiple times. It, I felt really bad for Grant because I think Grant's a better player than what we saw. But if that was the first time you've seen Grant Williams play, you're thinking like, why is this dude in the NBA again? Um, right. It was bad. It, it was really bad. But as good as Jalen was, Jason Tatum, not so much. Um, could not make a shot. Could not make a shot. Uh, I, I was a little surprised. I don't know how you saw, but I was a little surprised that, that Tatum struggled the way he did. I wasn't su- – I, I, I'm never surprised when either of those players either do poorly or play well because, as we've talked about in previous episodes, when one is doing well, it seems as though the other is suffering in some form. And obviously for Tatum, it was his shooting. He, he had the hustle, obviously, but – everyone you know you go to nba twitter and there was just a huge disappointment one theory is because he was wearing a lakers jersey earlier that day in the the lakers curse so i think that could be related but i i was definitely just disappointed but definitely not surprised because everyone's gonna have an off day unfortunately it shouldn't be your season opener yeah, and, and just for folks, just, just so they know what we're talking about, he uh, did this kind of reenactment of a Kobe Bryant moment uh, mm-hmm. for, for the NBA. I think, it's, I think it's part of their 75th anniversary series of, of events. And, and obviously, you know, it's, it's well documented that Kobe Bryant was Jason Tatum's favorite player, the guy that really made, gave him that passion to play basketball. And uh, certainly Celtics fans were in their feelings about that. Uh, they they made it very clear that that they did not feel good about that, and you wonder if there's just a little bit of Laker mojo with that. But I, here's the thing: um, Tatum is good for a game like that, or two, or three every year he's been in the league, and so I'm okay with that. Because here's the thing: I would have been more disturbed if Tatum had a rough shooting night like that, and it was because R.J. Barrett was locking him up. R.J. Barrett is not a lock him up type of defender. Uh, not even close. And it's, it's funny listening to like like folks in New York who talk about, oh, he 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 had Tatum locked up. I'm sorry, but if Tatum misses like 12 open jump shots, that does not qualify you as locking him up. Yeah. That, that that qualifies him as having a bad ass yeah, shooting night. Yeah, I agreed with so, that. One. But but listen, if, but if if that if that helps him sleep at night and, and feel better about the, their team, go ahead and feel that way. But Tatum had a horrible shooting night, and I wasn't as discouraged as a lot of people are because he was still able to get to the spots he wants. The one knock on Jason that I had that was my big issue was he didn't try to attack that defense more. He didn't try to get into the paint and force contact or force them to just really move more defensively. And that, 
for a guy like Tatum, I kind of understand why he doesn't because Tatum's a hell of a shooter. And if you go, if a dude is supposed to be guarding you and you're wide open, you're supposed to knock that shot down. And he didn't do as good a job with that as he should have. But yeah. again, I'm not, yeah, I'm not losing sleep over Tatum having a rough opening night. And, and he was a very aware of it. There are points in the game where he had the clear shot and you notice he made that extra pass to Jalen because he knew Jalen was on fire that last night or the night they were playing. So he's very self-aware, which is something that you do need that basketball intelligence to say, all right, I'm not having a good night. Even though I'm open, let me just get, make that extra pass and see what happens because I don't want to jeopardize our possession because I already know that I can't play at this moment. Well, well, <laughs> well, Jalen made a lot of folks' numbers look better than their actual play was. I mean, oh, yeah. like Dennis Schroeder, and and again, I get I give Dennis a lot of credit. He made sure when he got in the game, he got that damn ball to JB, and he had like eight assists. And I think I think maybe five or six of them were were to Jalen Brown. Which again, that's just that's just being smart about your game and about what you can do to help the team. But overall, though, I mean, this was one of those games where again, there just wasn't enough second line support. Uh, guy Schroeder did not, I think, had a great game. I thought he did some nice things, but he didn't play great. And Romeo Langford had another really good game. He had like 10 points. Yeah. But the problem was that he was getting a lot of that action filling in for either Jalen or Jason. And down the stretch, you had to have those two out there. And Romeo didn't really see much time down the stretch, even though he had been playing a pretty good game. And, uh, again, that it's one of those you know, catch-22s. I mean, do you play the young guy who – is playing better in stretches than than Tatum, or do you go with the three time two time All Star who's on a max contract, who who their play will have a heavy impact on you keeping your damn job more than just a year or two or three. So those were some of the things that Ime, you know, certainly had to kind of really make split decisions on about. And and again, I, I thought overall, you know, there were more encouraging things about this game than I I felt discouraged about. Um, but the guy that I, I just mentioned briefly, Romeo Langford, who, uh, you know, John Zanis and the Garden Report crew know I got all Romeo stock. I got it before before he started balling. I just stacked. I just I took all those chips, put them on the table and said, I'm rocking with Romeo. Mm -hmm. And Romeo is making me look really, really good right now because he is balling out. And the, the thing about Romeo that I like and it, it, it sounds simple, but players screw this up all the time. Make the basic play to keep your ass on the floor. Your job is to defend, knock down open shots, run the floor, get a rebound every now and then, and you do that, you're going to play. And that's literally all Romeo is doing. He's knocking down open shots and he's shooting with confidence, uh, something that I don't think he always played with uh, since he's been a Celtic. And part of that has to do with injuries and things like that. He's healthy now, knock on wood, knocking down shots doing all the things that are going to allow him to play consistent minutes. Now, that being said, it was not a perfect game, obviously, because they didn't win. Um, what I mean, when you think back to that game, what did you like about just their play overall, Kwani, and, and what, what did you not like so much? Well, I definitely liked them on offense, obviously, even though that was mainly Jalen Brown carrying them. But I think there was definitely what they call Celtics ba basketball of being intentional with who you're passing to, finding ways to get open. Obviously, defensively, they, they couldn't stop Randall. But right. it's it's one game, and I definitely 
want to see more from a few of the players on the Celtics. But overall, you can't – I feel like there's so much criticism you can do when a team goes into double overtime. And honestly, I was shocked when I saw that final shot go in from Marcus Smart. Like, I did not expect the game to, to get back to where it was. And then after the first overtime, I was like, all right. These, at first I tweeted, are the Knicks good? And then I realized, all right, maybe just the Celtics are playing very poorly at this moment. And then the final conclusion is that the Knicks will be a good team to watch this season, but also the Celtics clearly have a lot of work to do. And they're not project the way that they've been projected. They're going to have to work on getting that focus and getting that chemistry, so to speak, of being consistent and, and staying, staying strong throughout the game. Well, here's the thing. Even though the Celtics lost, I still feel after watching them play the Knicks, the Celtics are the better team. Uh, and, and here's why. The one guy that really put just put the Celtics in a bind was Julius Randle. And mm-hmm. the one guy that you have that has the ability to neutralize, certainly not going to shut him down, but certainly neutralize guys like Julius Randle is Al Horford. And you didn't have him available. And that, to me, Al Horford is, is one of those X-factor guys as well because there are going to be certain matchups that the Celtics will have this year where Al's role will be so big. And New York is one of them. If these two meet in the playoffs – I like the Celtics' chances if they've got their full allotment of players available. Uh, Al Horford is that important in that particular matchup uh, because of his ability to deal with Julius Randle. And frankly, him and Rob Williams, I that I think that's a major problem for Julius Randle if you get into mm-hmm. a playoff situation. If he has both of those guys available uh, out there trying to defend him. Because Grant Williams, this was just a rough game for Grant. I mean, Grant... Julius just absolutely devoured him. I mean, it was it, it was bad. It was bad. And I, point, I mean, Josh Richardson being in the game too would have, I think, made a, a big of a big of a difference, bigger of a difference on defense. That would have been another body you could have thrown yeah. at uh, Fournier, uh, who had yeah. a big game. Yeah, which who just decided, you know what? I'm playing my old team. I have a bone to pick, apparently, because I was like, where was this when you were in Boston? It, it is it is Celtic itis itis at its best, and that is when guys leave, come back, and they just absolutely go off. Who is we, this man? We see it happen all the time, all the time with with these guys. Um, but again, I, I was probably more encouraged by what I saw from the Celtics than discouraged. Uh, and 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 again, it, it without. Al around without Josh Richardson around, those are two guys. They're not going to make or break your franchise. But there are certain matchups where, yeah, yeah, there are certain matchups where their their presence is a big deal to your team because of the domino effect that you don't have to go through in order to get them on on the, on the court. So before we go any further, I want to do another shout out to our sponsor, BetUS.com. BetUS.com, that's the only sports book that I deal with. And why is that? Because they are America's favorite sports book for over 25 years. If you need a sports book with integrity and longevity, you need to know that you're going to get paid. And if you want to know how to get paid, BetUS.com is the place to be. Uh, don't forget to check out all their offers, and you can earn up to 200% in bonuses on your first deposit. Nobody beats that. Don't forget to enter the promo code BSJ when you sign up at BetUS.com for that special bonus. Again, up to 200% in bonuses, BetUS.com. That is where the games begin. And speaking of games played, uh, really, it's more like 
folks who are getting played by the game. Uh, and I'm talking about Philadelphia, Ben Simmons, and all that all that drama that just keeps uh, keeps giving us more drama. Just when we think we're about to reach the pinnacle of drama, it just keeps coming back. And the latest is with Ben. Uh, obviously, he returned to the team, and they were hoping that that would kind of thaw the ice a little bit, get them back on track. And then Ben gets suspended <laughs> for the first game of the season uh, because he doesn't want to do some drills that Doc Rivers wants him to do. And then they decide, well, you know, let's just start preparing for, you know, the next game. And he has an individual workout that he was supposed to partake in. But Ben had a little bit of a sore, achy back. His team uh, gives him some treatments. He's clear to resume. And then he just kind of dips. Uh, and so this is getting to the point where Doc Rivers and the Sixers are going to have to take some drastic measures. To me, they're really at this point, there are only two things you can do. You either pull the Brooklyn card where you just basically say he's – on the team, but he will not be engaged in any way, shape, or form with the team, or you start talking about a buyout. And I know they don't want to do that because the amount of money that they would have to give Ben uh, is insane. But even worse than that, the, the possibility of him signing with a rival uh, for pennies on a dollar is even more uh, problematic for them. So one of the things, and, and uh, their GM, Robert Moore, Robert Morey, um, excuse me, Daryl Morey, sorry about that. Daryl was talking on a radio station and, and he brought up an interesting point about how this may linger for four years. Uh, and I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking he's 100% bullshit about that, but there really isn't a whole lot of incentive for the Sixers to just take a bad deal, which is what everyone is offering them at this point. So how do you think this is going to play out knowing how this is played out already? I've seen a lot of negative comments reacting to the way he's been treated and acting towards the Sixers. And my first reaction to all of it is the fact that why would you put in so much energy knowing that it's like going to a workplace where you know your boss doesn't like you, you know your coworkers don't like you. Yes, you have a job to do, and yes, you should be doing it, but what would be the motivation to be great and for him I think that's where it comes down to he has no motivation to do anything for that organization and I don't understand the people that criticize him because if you were in the same predicament you probably feel the exact same way yes he's he has the privilege of being a millionaire so it's different because you know we have to go to work generally but the way that people have taken sides in this debate I don't really like it because we've seen Anthony Davis do it We've seen James Harden do it. A lot of players in the NBA have been strategic about figuring out that if they don't want to be in a city, I'm going to figure out somewhere else to go. And that's what Ben Simmons is doing now. And he's getting a completely different treatment from every other NBA superstar that's done so. So I don't know what's next. I really do think that they need to figure out a way to just offload that contract, whether that is trading him. And I understand the competition in the in the league, you don't want to send him to another team to be good, but would you rather just have a roster spot that is wasting away than at least have someone that's motivated to play and motivated to do well? I think with any team, wouldn't you rather that spot be filled with a mediocre player, for lack of a better description, versus someone that's not motivated at all? I just, 
I would rather take the player that's willing to be in the game when I need him. At least you have a body on the floor. And right now, obviously, Ben Simmons is not doing that in practice, let alone a game. Right. <laughs> I knew that. I knew you were going to work that in there. Uh, <laughs> listen, their, their GM, Daryl Morey, he, he brought up an interesting point on, on a radio show. And, and I, I, I I think it's it's what it's ultimately going to come down to for Philly to decide which of these paths they're going to take. And he talked about how, you know, if is it better to eliminate a distraction or to lower your odds of winning in the playoffs? Because you, you can easily trade Ben Simmons today, but you will do so and lower your chances of having a deep playoff run because whatever you get in return at this point, is going to be of less value than what you are sending out. So you are going to eliminate the distraction, which is a positive, but you're going to take back less talent, which is a negative. How do you find that that happy medium, which is what the Sixers are looking to do? Now, here's my thing with, with what you said, Kwani. I think the criticism that Ben is getting is absolutely warranted because the criticism that he's getting is based on his performance. It's based on his play, or I should say non-play. When you are making the kind of money that he is, you have the position that he is, there's an expectation that when the big games are are there and those moments are in front of you, you at least meet those moments. You don't have to always be successful. In other words, to me, the only bad shot down the stretch is a shot not taken because Bottom line, you, you it, that's the only way that you can guarantee you're not going to fail is to not try to succeed. And that is the issue that the Sixers had with Ben. He has been there long enough to where there's a clear and undeniable flaw in his game, like every NBA player does. Every NBA player has a weakness. He's the only superstar I know in the NBA right now, and I can't even call him a superstar. He's hell no. He's a very good player. The only very good player in the NBA right now who has a clear flaw that has done nothing at this point in his career to get better at that. And, and that is inexcusable to be where he's at. And, and frankly, you know, Ben is, again, a very good player. But when you are being put in a position to be a great player and you Talk about wanting to be a great player. You gotta you gotta be there in the in the good and the not so good times. You know, I mean, it's to the point now where, you know, the point that you made, Kwani, about just being somewhere where you're not wanted. The reason he's not wanted is because he doesn't want to do the things to be wanted. Better, yeah, that's a good point. If Ben wanted, if Ben even if he shot like twenty percent from three point range and he averaged two or three threes a game. Fans would be cool with that because that's like, okay, he's trying to get better. He's not very good at that now, but damn, at least he's trying to get better. Ben's not even trying to get better. In fact, he's regressing. Uh, When you are in a a game seven situation, you got the ball in your hands. There's nothing between you and that damn rim but air. And you decide to pass the ball to a guy that's like two or three years younger than you in the league who shoots free throws as bad or worse than you do. And then after the game, you admit that you passed the ball because you thought you might get fouled? Dude, you playing scared. Not scared, scared. Mm-hmm. We don't want to play with dudes who play scared. That's the issue that I and so many people have with Ben Simmons is that he has regressed from a guy who had a clear and undeniable weakness to his game that you could see getting better if he worked at it to someone who's scared to work on his game in that particular area to get better at it. And to me, if that's how you want to be, okay. But take that to Sacramento. 
take that to Oklahoma City. Take that to a city in a place where you can be a very good player and have a very good career and not have the pressure of being a great player because you clearly don't want to be that dude. And it, Philadelphia, the problem that they have is they're trying to convince teams that he wants to be that dude. That, oh, if you trade for Ben, you're going to get a great player. He's got a number of years in his contract. He's going to be a great addition. If you just give us that young superstar that you got and a couple of draft picks, we'll we'll just make this go away nice and easy. And teams are like, nah, bro. Nah. Nah, we're we not, we not falling for that okie doke. That dude's well, got honestly, some- to that point, what if he really is just fed up with playing in Philly and does need a clean state? a clean slate in a new city. You know what? What if he goes to Sacramento and he is lights out because he's actually with an organization that give him not only a fresh start, but they believe in him enough and are willing to give him that opportunity. I understand that when he got drafted, all this pressure was put on him. Honestly, deserved. it was deserved, but at the same time, all of these these guys, when they get drafted, they're the godsends, they're the next LeBron James, and then people get upset because they're not living up to the standard that was expected. But you also have to consider the pressure that you put on a, a 19, 18-year-old coming out of college or you know, and telling them that they're the next face of a franchise. And for him, I think that was the situation. And I'm not excusing the way he's regressed, but I'm also thinking at this point, he really needs to just move to another city and start over because it's not working in Philly. And no matter what he may be doing in practice on his own or whatever, it's not going to, we're not going to see that growth because he's no. not playing and not practicing in Philly. No, no, we're not going to see that. And and, and I'm, I got to be honest with you, showing me like, like 15 second videos with you shooting threes with yeah, Rob, I don't John Rondo. I mean. That doesn't count to me. Like, okay, you worked out with Jalen Brown. Cool. No, but the, 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 I, I want to see the actual NBA play, but we're not yeah. going to see that in Philly anymore. So they need to no, let go and them somewhere else. Yeah, I, I, I can't let him off the hook with the whole youth thing because he's 25 years old at this point. He's been in the league long enough to where Absolutely. he is he is a grown-ass man who knows what he needs to do. I mean, it's to the point where it's it's it feels like spitting in the wind when you talk about Ben Simmons and sh- and becoming a better shooter. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's not even about making the shots. It's about taking the shots. That's the problem that I have with him now. Before, when he wasn't, uh, when he was just passing the ball and getting other guys involved and doing a great job with that, you could kind of look past that. And, and Doc Rivers certainly tried to do that, where he talked about how his ability to finish at the rim is uncanny because of his size and, and strength and all that. It's true. But Doc Rivers has been in the league both as a player and a coach long enough to know that whatever your strengths are, there are going to be people who will force you to go to counters. You have to have a plan B, C, and D if you are going to be an A-list baller in mm-hmm. the NBA. And Ben Simmons has a clear area that you can take away from him, which is that drive and force him to be more of a shooter. And he, he's been trying to figure out ways to get around not being a shooter. And it's getting to the point where teams are they are just too smart. They've, they've seen enough of you to know how to minimize that part of your game somewhat. And the, again, the fact that you're not even, you're not even trying, you're not even trying. So I, have major issues with him um and as much as i would love because again i like ben simmons game i really do i just i hate the fact that he just doesn't want to get better uh and that's something that in a lot of fans that's the problem with him and the fresh start thing i think it's a great idea but there is 
lots of proof that even with a fresh start, he's still going to be Ben Simmons. He's still going to be that stubborn dude who does not want to take shots when they're there. Um, but I tell you what, um, Brooklyn could probably use a dude like Ben Simmons right about now. <laughs> right. Brooklyn could probably use a Ben Simmons because the Kyrie Irvingless Nets did not look good. Uh, and 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 and, and full. I mean, let's. I mean, let's be honest. They're they're playing. You know, they played the Milwaukee Bucks on opening night when Milwaukee got the big fat rings. And I just remember watching like it was the, it was just the weirdest thing. They're looking at Giannis or they're showing Giannis getting his ring and he's happy and he's smiling. And he's all that. And then after he gets his ring, he goes back to the group and it was like strictly business. Like let's go. Let's go. I know I got this like 22 pound thing on my damn finger, but yo, right. hold my I'm ring. It was right. just like, hold my ring. Some folks is hold your beer. It's like, hold my rings. We about to bust them. Brooklyn is not going to win a championship without Kyrie Irving. It is that cutting. It is that simple. James Harden and Kevin Durant, the idea that both of those guys are going to be healthy relatively 100% as close to 100% as possible come playoff time with no Kyrie Irving all season long, not going to happen. Not going to happen. And they've got some nice role players, but we were talking about this before. When your role players now all of a sudden move up the food chain a little bit and the expectations are graded and, and, and they have to do more things, it, you, at some point you're going to be reminded as to why they weren't in that role in the first place. Like when the backup becomes a starter, at some point as a starter, you're going to find out why they were a backup before. And Brooklyn, I think they've got some, they've got a lot of good pieces, but I just don't think a Kyrie Irvingless team is going to be enough to get out of the East because I'm looking at those Bucks who, you know, and I, I've spent some time around some of those players, you know, leading up to the season. They ready. They are ready. They got and the way that Milwaukee has set up their team, they are the blueprint that teams who are looking to build consistent title contending teams want. You've got Giannis Antetokounmpo. You've got Drew Holiday. You've got Chris Middleton. Those three, that's your big three. Those guys are signed for at least two more years after this season. So your core ain't going nowhere for the next couple of seasons. Whereas Brooklyn, you got KD. Kyrie, you're not giving, you're not offering him an extension anymore, and then you got James Harden, who you have offered an extension mm -hmm. for, but he's like, he don't know he's gonna take it now. Yeah, he's yeah. so yeah. you. So there's a lot of there's a lot of uncertainty about your future. There's yeah. a lot of uncertainty about your present, and that is a bad cocktail to mix together mm -hmm. when you try and win a championship. So, Kyrie Irving, the the domino effect that his decision to not be vaccinated is having on the NBA is incredible because he, while he may, you know, believe it's a personal choice, the impact that it is having on so many others is incredible. Yeah. He needs to figure out what, what he's going to do. I mean, I know he already made the decision that he's not going to get vaccinated, but at this point, I mean, not even him, honestly, the front office needs to figure out what their next steps are going to be because this is not a viable option at this point for Brooklyn no, but no. better better luck for the Celtics at this point that's for me I'm looking at these teams in the east that are going through all this drama and 
I'm like, all right, let them shoot themselves in the foot because that just opens the pathway a little bit more for the Celtics fans that are looking for their team to make it a little further down the Eastern Conference. So, well, absolutely. I mean, now you feel as though you got to punch your shot against both of those teams because mm-hmm. a key piece to their success is not going to be in the mix or is at least looking that way. You know, it's particularly with Philadelphia because Ben Simmons, he does as good a job as anyone in the NBA defending Jason Tatum. Um, and when you lose the one guy who matches up well with the other team's best guy, that's a problem. That becomes it because now all of a sudden you've got to slide someone else over to handle that business and then they will get the business. And that means whoever you got dealing with Jalen Brown, they're going to get the business. And so there's this domino effect where you're going to, other than Joel Embiid, you're going to get progressively weaker at almost every other spot because you don't have Ben. So Philadelphia becomes a very vulnerable team for the Celtics to kind of leapfrog over and Brooklyn. I don't think they'll leapfrog over Brooklyn, but I do think that in a playoff series, if Brooklyn, if Kevin Durant and James Harden with one or both of those guys is significantly or noticeably not 100% health wise, they become very vulnerable because a a one man team of James Harden or one man team of Kevin Durant, you feel pretty good about your chances if you're the Celtics, if, if that's what you're dealing with. Obviously, they've got the other guys who can play, and, and no disrespect to the Bruce Browns and some of the other cast that they got on that team who are good ballers. But in a best-of-seven series, if you don't have a healthy Kevin Durant and a healthy James Harden, you are not that healthy. Yeah, You're not going to be nearly as dominant as you on paper could be. And, and again, it all comes back to Kyrie Irving. And then I, I remember when Kyrie Irving made the decision not to come back to Boston, which came after he said he was coming back to Boston, which is a whole nother you'll story. have me, fans, I'd love to come back. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, Courtney. I like that. I like that. You should be Kyrie Irving for Halloween. That's what we all, oh we should God. all be. We should all be Kyrie Irving for Halloween and, and, and just funny. say what we're going to do. And then we not do it. Yeah, like if you give me this candy, I, I will, will not be. be I will not be back next year. And then come back five minutes later. I changed my mind. I'm back. I'm give back. me some more candy. <laughs> I like I, that. I, the thing about uh, the, just the impact that he's had on the league is just it's it's amazing to me. Um, it really is. But and it just doesn't show the power of being an NBA player at the end of the day. Yeah, but it also, you know, with, with Kyrie, and, and and again, not not kind of beating the Ben Simmons horse to death, but we're gonna mm-hmm. bank, we're gonna whack it one more, two more times. Mm-hmm. But Ben is a different player than Kyrie, different player than James Harden, different player than Anthony Davis. All of those guys were face of the franchise players, and so when they pull that, you know, I want to get out of this situation, and I'm gonna do X, Y, Z, one, two, three. They did that from a the ultimate position of power. They were the best thing that their franchises had going. Ben, you're a clear number two. You're like, you know, like like a you're the Scotty Pippen of the Joel B. Yeah, you're this. You're. You, I mean, you are the the really high profile supporting actor in the play. But you yeah. ain't. But but when the lights come on and everyone is looking for the main attraction, you're on the stage. But you ain't in that spotlight. And so when you're trying to flex, like he's trying to flex now, they're just like, wait a minute. I think you forgot your place in the packet on the sun, son. You may be important, but you are not the main attraction. And even though we're paying you main attraction money, we know better. 
And unfortunately for the Sixers, so do the other 29 teams in the league. No better. Ben Simmons is going to be a difficult one for them to move because no, there are very few teams that see him as the number one option. And if I'm paying number one option money for a guy who is clearly not that, what exactly is my incentive to do that anyway? Um, unless I've got a roster full with, with guys that I don't want to deal with who have contracts that I don't want to pay out, then we can talk. But that's not what Philly wants. They want a legitimate star. They want like a, a Dame Lillard or, or or someone of that ilk where when you make that trade, there's going to be buzz in a positive way for you. But if you're making a trade and you're getting like, you know, the backup small forward and the third string center and three draft picks, people are going to be looking at Daryl Moore like, what the hell are you doing? Absolutely. What in the hell are you doing? And 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 that's what they're trying to avoid. They want they want this trade to be a splashy move, an impactful player. And I get that. All teams want to do that. But the difference is this. They have a player they're trying to move who has some legitimate character issues and concerns. I mean, it wasn't the fact that he just shrunk in the moment of that one playoff game. It's the fact that he shrunk in the moment of that one playoff game. He hasn't shown the willingness to get better. And mm-hmm. that stubbornness is going to be a problem. Yeah. Rich Paul has his work cut out for him when it comes to really convincing a, a franchise to to scoop him up under their wing because and if and right and 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 you know a lot of people think that the Lakers are kind of maybe a default organization that maybe they would take him on. But if I'm LeBron, I'm not sure I want this dude on my roster. But if you're LeBron, you're not going to that to that LA team and, and acting dumb. You're gonna right. you're gonna be motivated to play. Come on now. Right. And and and, and well <laughs> the thing about the Lakers now and, and again I didn't want <laughs> I mean, the Lakers got, I mean, the Lakers, they got all the OGs. I mean, they got all the OGs mm-hmm. of the last decade on their team. It's, it is like a fantasy league. For and he, the could, he, he could gain from that wisdom of uh, playing under all those people that actually have, honestly, not that LeBron has more patience, but I think working under a player like LeBron versus, as we've seen, a Joel Embiid who said, I'm not here to babysit. LeBron's also not here to babysit. Let me be clear about that. But again, I just think it's soured. Like, that's really all I can say. It's soured in Philly. It's never going to work out. And he really needs to go anywhere he goes. I'm willing to put money on it that he would actually be motivated to be better. Like, I really do think that. I think the key for him is go to a small market. I, I, because if you go to a small market, you become a big fish. You become Mm -hmm. a big fish in a little pond. And they will yeah. be more than happy for you to never take a three-point shot in the rest of your life as long mm-hmm. as you're, you're giving them those 20 points, seven, eight rebounds, nine, ten assists, and team lose by three. And you don't go to the playoffs. And you you, you have a great season where you win, like, 38 games. Mm-hmm. That's That that could be Ben Simmons' future. Um, but if he's, like, somewhat serious about playing for teams that are title contenders or building towards that, um, he's got to change himself um, yeah. and he's got to convince other teams that he's willing to change. And that that's where to me, Rich Paul, that's going to be the challenge that he's going to have is convincing teams that Ben is willing to make the necessary changes in his game, in his career, in his approach to leadership that you need to have in order to feel comfortable bringing him into the fold. I, and I, I've said, I've mentioned Sacramento many, many times mm-hmm. because I think honestly, that's the one team that has a lot of talented young pieces that they could, 
cobble together that the Sixers would have some interest in. And Sacramento, they're not winning no damn title anytime soon. They know that. We know that. They could benefit from the attention that he would bring to their organization. The fact that he does have a the type of game that if he's going out to get you 25, 12, and 7 and you lose by 6, people are still going to watch that game because of what he can do. Now, is he going to help you win? I don't think he's going to significantly help you in that regard. But that's the choice that you have to make. Are you more concerned about trying to build a team that might win or are you trying to build a team that might be relevant outside of wins and losses? And Sacramento, again, I, I it's a tough call for them because I like the direction they're headed. They've got some nice young pieces that I think if they can just really kind of galvanize that together and keep willing to develop them, I think there could be a legitimate playoff team in the next two, three years. But, looks like he likes basketball again. I mean, I know it's just a snapshot of practice, but they posted a video and I was like, who's that? And it was Tristan exactly. Thompson. So exactly. So, so, yeah. So I mean, th- there's definitely. I think their future is bright if they can just keep building on that. But if they come to this revelation that we might get up to maybe the sixth best team in the West, but damn, is that really what? Which is the greater benefit to us, being like maybe the sixth best team in the West, or having a Ben Simmons for the next three, four years, and the amount of attention and media draw that right. that's going to have? And you know, that's that's a that has to weigh into the decisions that these front offices make uh, as far as box office draw potential. And so that that's a team I just think is always going to be somewhere in the ether spirit, you know, in atmosphere when it comes to possible landing spots for Ben. Yeah. But um, okay, back to the Celtics, though, because we I, was, I was about to say, this is not the Ben, this is not the Ben Simmons podcast. Really they have the yeah. Raptors up next. What are you looking forward to from that game? Well, I'm looking for a better game from Jason Tatum. Uh, that I, I think that that has to be a given. I'm a little concerned about Toronto uh, because I, the Celtics are a better team. I, it's, it, that's not debatable. But Toronto is coming off of their their opener where there, a lot of their key guys did not play particularly well. And I'm thinking specifically about my man Freddie V, Fred Van Vliet, who who played well five, against the Celtics though. Yeah, but he was only five for twenty in his first game. And mm-hmm. so my thinking is he's probably going to be on that Tatum program where he's going to play a lot yeah. better. And yeah. that makes me a little bit nervous because uh, I think he's a really, really good player. Uh, I want to see Josh Richardson back. Um, I, th- yeah. I think that's a guy that this will be a really good game for him to be of some impact because he'll at times will be out there defending Fred Van Vliet. Uh, Marcus Smart, I'm hoping that the Celtics with Marcus Smart at, as the playmaker will do a little bit more of moving the needle in the direction that Ime Udoka wants them to. And that is getting other guys involved, keep the ball movement. They did that in, in spurts in that mm-hmm. first game, and they looked really good when they did it. And then they got into the hero ball game again, where, you know, they're bringing the ball down and they're taking a shot early in the shot clock, or they're bringing the ball down and having it just stick to one side of the floor. And then without reversing it to just force the defense to move a little bit. Uh, I hope they get back to doing the things that Ime has talked about wanting to do. Uh, so I think they'll win. I feel good about their chances of winning. I expect them to win by like eight, nine, ten points, something like that. But they need to be more of a reflection of their coach than we mm-hmm. saw in the first game. Yeah, a more cohesive unit, really. And and it's evil. People are – I mean, they're not forgetting. But it is Ime Odoka's second NBA regular season game. So – I think it's going to be a learning process for everyone on that team. Figure out how he calls out to them on the side. Like, 
figuring out how the team is working. I know they still haven't really figured out, obviously, their their lineups and what works on the floor. So there's a lot of adjustments that need to be made. It's going to be a process. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that and that's you know, that, and that's part of just the growth of your team, particularly when you have a new leader coming in with a different mindset. I mean, Ime, Ime is about he's 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 grimy. Yeah, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of griminess to him. Yeah. And uh, I think for for some players, that's like, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for others, just like, oh, oh, uh, yeah. Like, I have to actually yeah. work now. <laughs> yeah. He's like, damn, he 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 got mad at me because I, I didn't get back on defense. I was trying to get right. it. Yeah. So that, it's it's going to take some guys, I think, a little bit of time to 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 really adjust. And I, this will be the last thing I say about Grant Williams, I promise. Wow. But I thought it was really interesting that Grant Williams uh, was basically yanked, uh, you know, during the preseason when he just didn't get back on defense. And then first game of the season, Ime has him in a starting lineup. And the message that, to me, the message that that sends the players is, look, I'm going to put you in check when you do wrong, but don't think for a minute that that puts you in the doghouse or that it's going to linger, that there's an after, that there's a residual negative impact on me you know, putting you in check and, and and really disciplining you. And it's going to affect how I view you going forward. And I, I thought it was really interesting how that was clear in how he dealt with Grant. It was clear in how he dealt with Marcus Smart, who he, who was suspended uh, for missing the flight. But that didn't prevent him from leaning on Marcus for a large chunks of the first game. And yeah. some coaches and players, they've been around the game. And I've seen this happen where there will be an issue that comes up and even though the players are kind of ready to move on from it, the coach ain't quite ready to move on. And the coach start making some decisions that don't really make sense other than the fact that he's trying to send a message, even though the message has already been sent. He's like literally yeah. beating that damn gnat with a sledgehammer. And the player's just like, coach, yeah, I was wrong. You was right. Can we just mm-hmm. keep AIM, keep it moving? But uh, and Ime, yeah, and Ime seems to be about that KIM life. Just keep it moving. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yep, Grant, you screwed up. Sit your ass down. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, you start in first game. Yeah. You Move discipline it. them and they move on and you hope they learn the lesson. And if it happens yeah. again, you rinse, repeat. And that that seems like a healthy coaching strategy to me. Yeah, it, it does. And it, it it makes a lot of sense. And and again, the fact that uh, Ime has at some point already disciplined some of the better players. Yeah, and some of the right. great players. Yeah, I love it's it. It's like, oh, damn. I mean, I. I might actually be checked, even though I'm like the, you know, one of the top three right, players. I'm a in the squad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, yeah. There's no, there's no, there's no velvet rope. There's no VIP. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, honestly, that, it's it's Belichickian in a way where players would say how Tom Brady got yelled at just as the third string wide receiver would, and that's that's the way you should do it because if you don't, then that's how the egos get in the way and players come in thinking that they don't have to work, and with that method you set that playing field of anyone can take your job, which is what the NBA is. Everyone's hungry for that starting role. So show me why you deserve it. Show me why, despite the money I need to put you in before this guy, because he clearly is motivated enough, despite not having a contract. (laughs) Exactly. 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 All right, Corny. Lots of good stuff as always. NBC 10's Corny A. Lunas. What you got coming up on NBC 10? I finally finished the hub today in Roxbury. So that's getting put together. I'm not sure exactly when it'll air, but if it hasn't aired by the next episode, 
of the A-list, I'll definitely make sure to let you know where to watch it. I'm excited about it, though, because we went to some really cool spots in Boston. And then I actually have an interview with Jordan Childs. If you followed the Olympics, she was the woman that stepped in for Simone Biles where she when she got the twisties. So I'm going to be interviewing her. I'm thinking it's going to be 10 questions, but it might not actually get to 10 questions. But either way, I'm excited to hear her perspective and that Olympian mentality of what it was like to be in Tokyo, especially during yeah. still a pandemic as well. What about you? Nice. Nice. Let's see. Uh, for the I, I did a piece a uh, few days ago just on the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, just the lack of respect that they're getting, mm. that they had coming to the season. Uh, and, and I did that for Bleach Report. And for Ebony, I, I just wrote about Dawn Staley, uh, who just got the Brinks truck. Money, money, she money, got money. The truck. And, and the, the cool money. thing about Dawn, the cool thing about Dawn Staley is that uh, as much as, yeah, it's great that she got the money. She's She's been very outspoken about pay equity. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I wrote about just how, you know, that to me is going to be her legacy for the game of women's basketball, because the, I do believe that she's going to be the blueprint for other highly successful women coaches to get paid, to get paid like like their male counterparts. And so I was really excited to just kind of kind of delve into that a little bit and uh, just doing a lot of different Celtics centric content for uh, my newsletter, fullcourtpress.bulletin.com. Yeah, I got it today. Uh, I'll be- <laughs> I will be banging out content for that. There'll be something up over the weekend, Friday or Saturday, uh, just looking ahead to the Toronto game and and uh, just kind of laying out just some of the different issues that the league is dealing with now uh, and with pl- player empowerment, not quite what they thought it was going to be. This yeah. is not how they, they this was supposed to go. Right. Uh, so. I think I signed up too many times for your newsletter because I get it three times in a row every morning or every time you write it at least. Well, we good morning. Good. The it's more like, the merrier. A shrub Blakely. I'm like, I get it. You wrote get, in case you didn't get it 16 seconds ago, we're going to make right. sure you get it. Read it again. Yeah, read it one more time. Uh, but see, that's, so again, just, you know, this is a great time of year where there's so much going on. When, you know, we're not even talking about the Red Sox and what they're doing, which is having an awesome season I mean, you know the patriot season in full bloom it's a little different around patriotville now than it has been past years which is mm-hmm. interesting in itself and, yeah. and the celtics bruins are just kind of getting this thing started so lots of and great don't stuff forget happening. the new england revolution that are still the champs mls so please put some respect on their name as well because they have been they have been really good they have been really good no you're right you're right you're right i'll pay attention you're absolutely right Wait, wait to show your well-roundedness, honey. Okay. <laughs> and before we head out, just another shout out to betus.com. And don't forget uh, the uh, sign up bonus uh, promo code BSJ and get up to 200% bonus on your first deposit for Quanny A. Lunas. I'm A. Shrod Blakely, and this is the A List Podcast, and we are out.